Welcome back to the Two Bucks Sports Podcast here with Buckets and Uncle Buck. Wednesday night, week after Thanksgiving. Drew, I don't know about you, but I think I'm just now coming out of my turkey and food coma. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think that I personally, and I don't know if this is popular or not, I personally believe that Thanksgiving is the best holiday of the year. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so you agree with me? Absolutely. It's not even and, close. And I don't know what it is other than, I mean, the food's good. The food's not elite, but it's you get it every year, and mm-hmm. it seems like it just feels like Thanksgiving when you eat turkey and dressing. Yeah. And dressing is one of those things, too. Like, it can be amazing, or it can just be yeah, garbage, you know? Yeah. And so it's that. It's the familiarity, it's the family, mm-hmm. and it's the football. Three yeah. F. I did not plan that. The three Fs of Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I, I agree, man. And like, like you, like you said, there's just some foods that just taste like Thanksgiving, right? Like you get your dressing, your sweet potato casserole, like certain things that you know we do a couple of traditions that my mom makes a pecan pie. We have what we call dump salad, like things that are, you just have on Thanksgiving that make it special. Dump salad sounds like what Ole Miss played on uh, Thursday night. Hey, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, and it's a holiday in which you get together with all your family, which is always fun. Uh, it's too much travel like every other holiday, so that kind of washes. But yeah. the the expectation of showing up without presents this mm-hmm. close to Christmas yep is one of the most underrated aspects of Thanksgiving. It's all the family, none of the pressure. You don't even really have to dress up. You come as you are. You're expected to be fat and lazy. You're going to eat too much. You're going to lay on that couch, and you're going to watch the Lions lose a football (laughs) game. I mean, it is the expectations of Thanksgiving. The the reality of Thanksgiving is what I wish every day was, you know? It It is just eating good food. Taking a good nap and watching a little bit of football. And I don't get these families. And if your family is one of these, like, please explain it to me. Like, my family has always been very casual for Thanksgiving. We are fixing to commit gluttony, like, and celebrate it. So we wear sweatpants, athletic shorts. You know, my cousin Mary always posts uh, that the best thing about being a mom is that your maternity pants become my turkey pants. And so you can wear whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. You know, if you're dress, if you're wearing pants with a zipper to thanksgiving then you're not getting the full experience of thanksgiving clearly not they've and, never been to a, a good thanksgiving <laughs> and thanksgiving in mississippi can go two ways too it's either going to be 10 degrees or it's going to be 80 degrees yep. and so it's either shorts or sweatpants and either way it's going to have elastic in the band and if your grandparents are like mine it's going to be 80 degrees in the house regardless so you're going to sweat man you get the meat oh, sweat yeah. so give me athletic shorts and a t-shirt under the yeah, you you, you got to have the sweatpants for outside, but the gym shorts underneath it. It's like it, it's like rec league basketball. You're just going to rip <laughs> them pants off as soon as you walk in grandma's house because it is 87 degrees Absolutely. in the winter or summer. Yeah. But yeah. enough Thanksgiving talk. Uh, we have some exciting news. Uh, this is going to be the first new podcast that we will be able to publish as an actual podcast. Yeah. We're going to be able – we have – Got all of our backlogged episodes on Spotify. And then today, tonight is Wednesday night, November the 30th. Uh, and then hopefully as soon as this is over, we're going to compress this down and rip the audio out and we'll have it 
on Spotify tonight. Uh, I'm sure most people will listen to it on the first. Uh, our Spotify is Two Bucks Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll put the link on all of our social media channels, which is also new. We have a Twitter. It's at Two Bucks Sports Pod. And we have an Instagram under the same name, Two Bucks Sports Pod. The number two. The number two, yeah. Two, the number two Bucks Sports Pod uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And we have the links to our Spotify page on our bios on both of them. So keep a lookout on our socials because currently right now, uh, if you search the podcast, you're not able to find it in, by searching it. But that link in our bios will take you directly to the podcast until um, we can make it searchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so we're also on some of your other favorite channels. We're on Amazon. We're on uh, Google Podcasts. We are on Samsung Podcasts. So we are on different channels through RSS community. Um, it kind of broad distributes them. So if you get your podcast on any of those, you can listen to it there. And if you enjoy seeing our smiling faces while we're doing this podcast, we're still going to be on YouTube. Those will still be posted as well. Absolutely. Well, with that little bit of housekeeping going on, you want to uh, you want to get into rivalry week? <laughs> yes, I do, baby. Yes, I do. Hail State, baby. Oh. We're gonna start off with the only game that really matters, and that was a victory for my Bulldogs in Oxford, Mississippi. Let's go, Hail State, baby. Started off Thanksgiving Day. I'd eaten myself silly. I'd been sitting out in the chilly-ish weather deer hunting all day, and I was stressed, Drew. You know, we've had a an up-and-down year in Starkville this year. Will Rogers has not been the quarterback we thought he would be every game. You know, you've got the LSU Will Rogers, who just absolutely craps the bed. you got the Arkansas Will Rogers that's like freaking Dan Marino, and there's never really anything in between. Well, and it's it's predictable, too. It's whether you're at home yes. or you're on the road. You're, and we, you're on the road. Yep. So we're six and one at home, you know, three and four on the road, like three and three on the road. It's not great. Um, but we came through, man. We came through. There was the, the, you know, the rain kind of slowed down Ole Miss's offense. Y'all's offense came in hot ish after the Arkansas game, maybe not so much. Um, but you know, this game is already being called the, the slide and slap the two they blew like, Oh, it's all the, the slide and slap baby. Shout out to Randy Charlton. Uh, big play there at the goal line. You know, Mississippi State tried their best to Mississippi State. Will Rogers, who is very well known as a mobile quarterback, obviously, um, decided to have a gaffe at the goal line and fumble at the one-yard line. I've got a 10-month-old daughter that's more athletic than Will Rogers. <laughs> Absolutely, man. When you're running in for a touchdown and you bounce the ball off your own hip on your own volition, like, come on, man. Well, and let's be honest here. Uh, Ole Miss did come in off – I mean, they sputtered. There's no, there's no way around it. And last week when we talked about the after the Arkansas game, I told you, I said this team is distracted. The lane stuff is out there. They're distracting them, and it it bled in. And I'm not going to take any credit away from Mississippi State, despite their best not efforts. The, the despite their best efforts to lose that game, they won it. We, uh, we overcame three turnovers, but like you're saying, man, I'm going to take credit here because we held uh, Junkins, the obvious SEC freshman of the year, to his lowest yards per carry average of 4.1. Uh, 
Uh, D-line was dominant. It's his third worst total offense performance randomly behind Vanderbilt and Troy in total yards, 791 rushing yards. And that was because he was the second the second string back early in the right. season. And so D-line was dominant, played a great game. I'll give you the fact that Kiffin was probably distracted a little bit. The defense played their tails off. Uh, but I think my favorite Egg Bowl stat, and I'll kick it back to you after this, two things. Number one, Malik Heath is now 0-3 in Egg Bowls. He lost two in a row in Star Bowl, transfers to Oxford. Oh, uh, you, you love the fact he lost those two from Mississippi Absolutely. State, don't you? You just get overlooked. I'm That's so cool. glad that he's he lost those two games the previous two years when he played. You can overlook that because he lost the most recent one. And then big news today out of Star Bowl, and I'll wrap it up. Buki, the SEC leader in tackles, uh, Nathaniel Watson is coming back for a senior year, baby. Let's go, Hale State. Big victory in Oxford this week. I tell you what. Um, it's not very often that the SEC leader in tackles, I can't name him. <laughs> so, congratulations, Bookie. Yeah, coming back, baby. The only it is, yeah. it's funny. There's, there's like nothing better than there's there's nothing over more overblown than returning seniors because if they were really, if they had <laughs> any shot of going pro and getting drafted, they would be gone. So I mean, yeah, enjoy your college career. It's probably your peak and sure. ride it out. But let's not pretend like if he was if he was Willie Gay, he'd, he'd be gone. You know, that's fair. That's fair. But still excited to have him back. Obviously, a good college player was a very impact player for us this year. He did miss a few games due to injury this year. So that could be playing, playing part of it. Either way, he's back. Egg bowls and the egg trophies and star bowl. Let's go. Yeah. And, you know, there are great college football players every year that for one reason or another don't make it into the pros. Yep. And that should not disparage the uh, the greatness of guys like Chad Kelly. Absolutely. The bet I'll go on record. I've done. I've said it before, but I've never said it on a podcast. He's the best quarterback to play at Ole Miss, <laughs> and we have two Mannings whose numbers are retired. Um, <laughs> he was the best college quarterback that we had, and you know he quarterbacked the best teams that Ole Miss ever had, and so. Um, that's neither here nor there. Um, real quick question, then we're going to move on. If Ole Miss makes that two-point conversion or, say, they kick that field goal instead of going for it, mm-hmm. and we go down instead of needing a touchdown and two-point conversion, we win it with that touchdown after Will Rogers fumbles, in, after inexplicably carrying the football on the one-yard line, is Leach the coach next year, or is he out of there so quick under the guise of retirement or whatever you want to call it, he just he would have went 0-3 in Egg Bowls. I don't think he'd – I think he'd have been in really hot water, but I think he'd have had one more year. I don't – like, who are we going to go get? Like, we, we're not going to get Dion. Like, there's nobody else to go get. I don't well, think Trigger would be that pulled that quick, but he would be on a much hotter seat next year. And he, he's not a coach you want to have when you're losing either because he no. is – he does not tow any party line, and he doesn't – he is a – Lose Cannon on the microphone, and I can't imagine being more miserable than listening to that coach after a loss. Let me let me tell you, man. Like the jokes are funny, the fat little girlfriend jokes are funny when you're winning, but when you're and not competitive, they're, they're, they're really funny when you're losing and you're a fan of Ole Miss. I mean, that's fair. That I mean, but he, I can tell you, it, they got that's funny. I genuinely thought Ole Miss would never lose to Mississippi State with our current head coaches. I believe <laughs> that. I believe that. All Kiffin, I mean, uh, all each teams have a hard ceiling, and they never win their rivalry games. 
It's a fact. It goes back everywhere he's ever been. And you know, I, it's, that's true. And, and the reason we won was not Mike Leach. Mike Leach gets that's paid. That's true. Five, you won despite Mike Leach. He gets paid $5 million a year. He owes Zach Arnett $4.9 million because our defense and our defensive quarter is the only reason we won a large majority of our games this year. He called a heck of a game because Ole Miss is a team that, that spreads you out and runs and runs yeah. well in the spread offense. Yeah. And Arnett ran cover zero blitzes in the middle of the field all mm-hmm. night long, yeah. exposing his corners all night long. When and you got a Ole Miss couldn't do anything about it. And Ole Miss couldn't adjust. They hit that lull like they've hit in every game this year where they can't move the ball for two quarters at a time. Mm-hmm. And nothing was more disheartening than watching um, that running back who apparently was – about to lose a limb the whole game, uh, Marks. Uh, yeah, with that hip flexor. Just running in the A-gap all night long. It was it was like Chris Ralph was the quarterback. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was the mo- watching a leech offense run the ball up the gut for four yards a time was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> Listen, man, all that matters, dogs win again. Big shout-out, Zach Arnett, held Ole Miss, who came in averaging well over 200 yards rushing over the last few games to 78 yards rushing. Really shut that down, like you said, with those with those blitzes up the middle. Um, play some great football. Hail State, yeah. don't win again. It, it, was, it was – you won it. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll leave it at that. I'm not a sore loser. I'll give you credit. Um, I think some things could have worked out better and didn't fall our way. But mm-hmm. – it is what it is. You can't make excuses when you lose or else you're yeah. called a big old ditty baby. And uh, <laughs> that ain't me. Nah. So, um, all right, let's, let's go on to a, hit a few more of these rivalry week games. Um, quick, uh, just because I'm struggling with it, say rivalry week three times. Fast. Oh my God. I've been struggling all day when <laughs> I, I'm working on I have stuff. to say wobbly <laughs> week. I feel like every single time I've said it. Today. <laughs> so many W's, man. So many W's. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, the next biggest game, or it was definitely the biggest game nationwide, mm-hmm. second business, big biggest game to Mississippians. The Ohio State-Michigan game was a stunner. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I was uh, I was hoping that game was at night. We had family stuff. We mm-hmm. were traveling. And I was like, okay, good. I can be back home in time for a 6 mm-hmm. o'clock kick. Mm-hmm. And about 12, I was checking my phone just to see what who was playing. And it was in the second quarter, and I was like, crap. And I wasn't home, so I got home just in time to see the end of it. But by the end of it, it was over. Oh, yeah. Michigan went to Ohio State and just torqued them. Absolutely. Ohio State was leading at the half 20-17, to and Michigan blows them out in the second half 28-3. to to, It's about the only – outcome for Ohio State that would have dropped them out of the top four. I believe that. Yeah. Because if they lose that game close, mm-hmm. then they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. But the fact that they twenty eight to three. Yeah. Like they, they went full Atlanta Falcons in that second half. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And got smoked that bad, it dropped them to five. That's the only reason why USC dropped them and I believe it. You give me that final score, 
I'm going to tell you 10 times out of 10, Ohio State won that game. The eye test, watching them all year, I thought C.J. Stroud was the truth. I thought their defense was much better than what Michigan had faced. I thought Ohio State was going to absolutely dump truck Michigan. And, I mean, it, it couldn't have been the more opposite for sure. Well, and Michigan, I, I would not have said that going into it, uh, that they would dump truck them, as you put it. Uh, Michigan's physical. They built that team like an NFL team. They are not built like a team that gets blown out. You know, um, I just think I think Michigan's good and mm. Michigan earned a lot of respect for me last year for winning at home against mm. Ohio State. Now, they went and got beat by Georgia in the first round of the playoff. Georgia went on to crush everybody. There's no shame in that. Mm. But I still wasn't ready to put them above Michigan. I mean, above Ohio State. Mm. And I still don't know that I'm ready to say that torches pass but mm-hmm. they're equals oh they're, yeah they've got this is not a fluke they've always had the players since harbaugh's gotten there mm-hmm. and they finally it's like they needed to bust through that glass ceiling mm-hmm. and last year they did it i still think they're going to get crushed by georgia again this year <laughs> uh, but yeah. that that they're they're good they're real good i'll say this man too like I, i've been reading a lot of line like it's a, it's the state of your program when you lose one game and your coach is on the hot seat. But Ryan Day, like back to back losses to Michigan, have big Michigan yeah. in thousands, and like there are people that are not happy with just the adjustments he doesn't make. the The game planning seems to be off for the big games. Like he wins regular season games that they're supposed to win really well. Ryan Day struggling in the big games, man. Well, and it's one of those things. He didn't build that program. No. And it's kind of the reason why Lincoln Riley deserves a ton of credit this year. It's like the thing that Ohio state fans, the entrenched ones, the fanatics, like we are for Ole Miss and state, they are, they're in that and they're emotional and they obviously want to beat Michigan more than they want to breathe their next breath. And, and I, I sympathize with that. I've been in a very dark place for (laughs) six days now, (laughs) but if he can't, beat Michigan and that's really the only competition he has that's different than mm-hmm. coming to SEC and going nine and three when yeah. when teams like uh Ole Miss and Mississippi State play Alabama and Auburn and LSU every year or and then every so often you get a Georgia or you get a hot Kentucky team or whatever that's the that's the marker Michigan State's down Wisconsin's down and outside of them, there are no real quote-unquote I mean, powers or Michigan's expect playing, to be good. Michigan's playing Purdue in the Big Ten championship game, and Purdue won, like, what, seven games? Like, they're not great. Now, they are known to be giant killers, but they're just yeah. not a good football team. And speaking of giant killers, the next <laughs> game we're going to talk about, Beamer Ball in Columbia, South Carolina. Man, full force. Uh, I'll – I believe I told you this. You went Clemson in your picks last week, and I told you anything Rusty picks, I'm going to pick better because I'm just going opposite. Uh, but truly, I understood the the you know you're on the mountain and you're having to play the next week. But the next week is a rivalry game, mm-hmm. and that team finished eight and four. That's a that's a heck of a of an accomplishment for Shane Beamer. Yeah. And he, um. Um, 
Rattler went 25 of 39 for 360, two touchdowns. He did have two picks. But you compare that to Clemson, who had 99 passing yards on the game. DJ, uh, we'll call him ukulele, uh, eight for 29, a touchdown and a pick, and a 27 and a half QBR. And yeah. South Carolina outscored Clemson 17 to 7 in the second half. Mm-hmm. Just Beamer ball. I mean, it was defense and special teams. Rattler was good, and he wasn't great, but he was good enough to win it. Mm-hmm. And and it took a it took late game heroics. I mean, mm-hmm. there was only one, um, South Carolina scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. It was their, the only score for either team in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So it turned into a defensive battle late. Mm-hmm. And props to South Carolina. Yeah. And any bowl game that wants to have fans that are hungry and want to mm-hmm. go down, have a big draw where yeah. fans come down that are hungry and just going to drink all the beer in Florida, <laughs> better call South Carolina. Because yeah. those folks are going to be just rabid at a bowl game. So a couple of thoughts here. I live in Carolina country, so I get a lot of both of these teams. Uh, and you're absolutely right, man. There, There's a lot of hope that they're going to be in a Gator Bowl uh, in Jacksonville or in one of the Orlando Bowls. Um, just because they're they're hungry. There's a talk of them playing Notre Dame, so they've got a big draw uh, uh, team that they'll be playing. And then you know, even from some Clemson fans, I'm hearing that they're 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 concerned. They're worried that ukulele, as you as you dubbed him, has some compromising information or photos or something. Uh, no, only way to describe his loyalty <laughs> to somebody who is a bad quarterback. And Dabo's showing some chinks in the armor. I'm I'm ready to quit talking about Clemson. I'll be honest with you. And I don't – it may be a little early. Uh, I don't think it is. I think the last three or four years, um, I'd have to look back at it, they've had that key loss every year. And they've overcome it because the ACC has been good enough to where you can get enough good wins and overcome it. But much like uh, Michigan, Ohio State, the ACC is yeah. – is, just like the Big 12 without that second good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and honestly, the best team in the ACC may be Florida State. Yeah. I'm, I don't <laughs> buy it. There's Chinks in the armor. Dabo, who is – it was got that Hugh Freeze kind of uh, mm-hmm. feel to him. You know, just nice, good old pastor-like demeanor. He is <laughs> He is getting like – defensive with reporters saying if you think you can anybody can do better then you just need to find another coach he's he's really digging his heels in in the media and it Mm -hmm. it it's signs of just kind of crumbling a little bit and Mm -hmm. crumbling doesn't mean he's going three and nine next year but it means that i would be shocked if they if they challenge for a playoff spot yeah, I agree, man. You know, Brett Venerables is not walking through that door, and their defense has not. He been- might be. <laughs> he <laughs> might be. Oklahoma's six and six. They yeah, make them right back in that door. Listen, that's what I tell all my Tennessee friends. You just better hope and pray Venerables turns it around in Oklahoma. If not, they go back the armored truck up to Knoxville and steal Josh Heifel. Shout out to Zach Jones. But, uh, but yeah, man, like Carolina, South Carolina has played a great couple of weeks of football. First time in program history with back-to-back top ten wins, man, you know. I, and Shane Beamer is a guy you'll run through a wall for. Just a great yeah. motivator. The, the kids are bought in. Their passion is a buzz around South Carolina football here for the first time, really, since Steve Spurrier was there. So, you know, shout out to Gamecocks, man. That's, that's a good win for them. Yeah, uh, props to them. Uh, the next game, uh, let's hit on uh, LSU and A&M. We can talk briefly. 
ultimately I didn't watch much of it, but I don't really care what it looked like. LSU no. should have won that game. Yeah. They they had a chance to backdoor into the playoff with a big win in the SEC championship game. They blew it. They they really messed in their own pants here. And um I don't really know what else to do. Maybe it'll get Texas A and M up to uh, you know, get them cocky again going into next year. Cause I'd love for them to have that hype again and just yeah. be terrible. Be number six overall in the pre. It'd be, it'd be like Tennessee, man. Number six in the in the preseason polls and fall out. I did watch some of it flipping between it, Tennessee and Vandy. Um, but uh, you flipped but, to Tennessee and Vandy. Yeah, for a little bit, man. But it was, yeah. a, it was a massacre. But Moose Muhammad's sensational catch, man. That one handed grab in the end zone. If you hadn't seen that highlight, it is one. Of I the haven't best. actually, man. He was double covered, threw his arm out, caught it in the cradle. I mean, it was an incredible catch for a touchdown, and I, just a phenomenal play. Fun fact, you know who his daddy is, don't you? Oh, yeah, Moose, baby. Machine yeah. played for the Bears yeah. and the Panthers, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Georgia alum. I yep. remember Moose, yeah. Yep. And I was like, it didn't click with me initially, but I was like, how many – How? that's too close to not be. And sure yeah. enough, yeah. that's his boy. That's how old we're getting. Yeah, he's normally in the stands of the games. They showed him a lot this year. Um, I think he was there that night. They showed him a bit after the catch. But, man, like, yeah, absolutely. What a phenomenal catch. Great play. And now, Mushan <laughs> Mohammed wasn't he medically retired from the NFL for a a hand injury or something? Uh, I thought I remember seeing something like that. It, it was yeah. on the when on my come up into the NFL. I, I'm a little fuzzy yeah. that far back, but yeah, uh, yeah, he was with the Panthers for a long time. He finished with the Bears, and there was some type of injury. I don't remember what it was that that ended his career, but he, he was, was like like a nerve damage thing to where he kind of had paralysis mm-hmm. in his hands. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, man. It was definitely a bad injury, but he was that guy that like he 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 was a great compliment to Steve Smith on those teams because Steve Smith was that quick guy that would take the top off the defense. And Muhammad was the guy you went to when you needed a first down. He was a big target, like 6'5", 6'6", big target, um, possession-type, first-down-type receiver. Um, yeah, man, big big shout-out to Machine Muhammad for sure. Yep. All right, well, uh, let's rip the Band-Aid off. I had to, I had to eat crow about my Ole Miss, about the Egg Bowl. Um, I'm going to celebrate now and let you uh, eat crow. Let's talk about Rusty's uh, – uh, what you call get rich picks, but what he did not specify is the only people getting rich here is the bookie. <laughs> yeah, man. So a couple things on that, man. First of all, this uh, segment is brought to you by Bill's Pawn Shop in Corinth, Mississippi. It's at 901 Meg Street. Call that Money Street, baby. Money Street. Get there. Get your old lady something nice this holiday season. Um, <laughs> He'll rip this- you off just as quick as Rusty will. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and like. So you've, you've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast, man. It's the whole Chris Berman philosophy, right? Like you, I tell you what to do, you do the opposite, right? Like I'm subtle about it. Like I tell you what to pick, you pick the opposite. Um, went one and well, six. You need three. to disclose that on the front end. That's what you're <laughs> messing up. All, all of our listeners here are just poor. They're gonna have. To, we're gonna lose listeners because they can't afford a phone bill to listen to a podcast. <laughs> well, listen, man. One in six this week. It was a tough week. The only one I got right is the only one that matters. I picked my dogs to win. Um, but man, like, I feel like uh, this was a rough week, man. Yeah. Rough I'm checking week. my record here. I was uh, six and one. Yeah. 
Paid Rusty. <laughs> Absolutely, man. That's your that's your strategy. <laughs> and nothing was more embarrassing than you picking Vanderbilt. <sighs> I know. I, you know. Should, I should come take you. So I need to come take your keys. I learned a responsible decision. I picked against Josh Heupel twice when he was on the revenge tour, and that's my bad. That's my bad. I picked him both times after a loss. I picked him to lose again, or at least not cover. And Heupel made a believer out of me. Yeah. So, well, um, you're trying to kick the man while he's down. He's got some pride, and he's playing Vanderbilt. <laughs> well, Vandy, man, they beat Florida, they beat Kentucky, they came in hot. I was feeling Vandy, hoping they get bowl eligible, but uh, it was not to to happen. <laughs> well, this is uh this is a football heavy podcast because we have hit rivalry week. We're looking at SEC champ or uh, conference championship games next week. But in the middle there was Black Friday, and we had coaching carousel. Yeah. And uh, it all seemed to break. The, the straw that broke the camel's back, everybody was waiting on Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. And it, word started changing on uh, Friday morning that Lane was staying. He was, mm-hmm. it was starting to get out. Um, since then, uh, it's been reported and talked about by uh, – journalists that cover Ole Miss that really tide started turning on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, that well, report that. came out, you know, on Monday from the reporter for uh, WCBI in Columbus and Lane handled that as poorly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made him mad, but ultimately seemed like the inside the program t- tide started turning on Wednesday, which begs the question to me as an Ole Miss fan who believes that the team was distracted why didn't you address it then and That's put it in stone? And, um, but ultimately, Lane Kiffin signs a $9 million deal with Ole Miss, $9 million per year. It puts him at the 10th, in the top 10 in college football. Um, now, you pay your top 10 money, you're going to have to start expecting top 10 results. Um mm-hmm. uh, and not saying that's anything that's built overnight. Ole Miss is not a top 10 team right now, and they don't have top 10 players. Um, ultimately, I was ready to hate him. I truly was. I think he handled everything as poorly as you could. But as I told you last week, I believe that Ole Miss's best chances of success right now is if mm-hmm. he stays. Yeah. And he's he, he would have left Ole Miss in a better spot than what he found it. But ultimately, Lane Kiffin – is a better coach than coach B that would have been named Ole Miss's coach. And so he he's left himself in kind of a pickle with the fan base and he's going to have to, you know, shake a few more hands and kiss a few more babies than he would like uh, to kind of garner that trust, but ultimately win yeah. games and, and don't let this happen again without leaving. You can't, we can't do it again. Here's the thing, man. Like the question then is, Drew, are you prepared to do this every offseason? Because this is Jimmy Sexton's MO. This is Lane Kiffin's MO. They like the attention. It got an extension. It's an opportunity to make more right. money. And are he, you prepared for this to happen again next about this time next year? Uh, no, no, I'm not. And um All right. And and I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say that he's the best coach for us. And I'm not and, arguing. And I'm I'm not expecting I'm not I'm not expecting him to, you know, be an, uh, declare a rebel for life. We, you know, we're not going to do that true blue. Like, you know, we, 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 I don't expect you, but also, um, we're equal. If you want to go, 
then go. But let it be an upgrade. Auburn is not. Auburn's not. And and so if you're going to go, I hope if he gets an offer next year, it's because we're still winning. You Losing coaches do not get recruited to go coach other places. That's mm-hmm. just a fact. Ole Miss has only lost one coach in my lifetime to another school, and it's because he was doing a good job at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. So you've got your schools that you want to go to, but I'm done with the whole stringing the fan base and stringing the team along for a raise. I know it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and that's fine, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be happy about it either. Yeah, that's what Jimmy Sexton does, man. His clients do that. They like the attention, good, bad, and different. And, and I'm telling you, man, like this is going to be the MO for Lane Kiffin, Jimmy Sexton, as long as you're your coach, man. We'll have that's to fine. conversation a but, year from now. And that, you know, good on you because Jimmy Sexton and Lane Kiffin got Lane Kiffin a $2 million per year raise. Yeah, and so good on them, but you're going to have to at least come out stronger and deny it. You can't let it linger. There's, yeah. there's ways to go about it. But there's no, yeah. there's no extra money in that, man. If you deny it right yeah. off, then you'll get paid. Yeah. But the team, what he tells the team does not affect what Ole Miss gives him. They were going to match any offer they were going to do. They yeah. lost three out of their last four games and still gave him a two million dollar raise. It it what it had nothing to do with with that, you know. So, anyways, um, the next we've got another big coaching change in the SEC, and we have another new sponsor. We've got well, yeah, we've got uh, Bill's Pawn Shop on Money Street, and uh, this next one is brought to you. Um, I'll just read the ad for you. It's written here. They typed it up for us. <laughs> where do you go when you need something for yourself but don't necessarily have the money to buy it new off the shelf come on down to lorraine's benton dent on wheeler grove road in corinth mississippi at lorraine's you can buy everyone else's crap they don't want also have something you want to get rid of come drop off that mess at lorraine's and we'll make you an offer so low that you will get insulted but still leave it because making no money is better than taking this crap back home with you <laughs> lorraine's benton dent Serving grandmother since 19 and 26. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of secondhand goods, Auburn hires Hugh Freeze. Hey. And listen, Hugh Freeze has paid his penance, but I'm not the bigger man here. And I'm not <laughs> above making my jokes because <laughs> Auburn said they were the better job all they're puffing their chest out all week you know we're gonna get on Miss's coach because we're Auburn and they're on Miss and our coach decided to stay and they went and got the coach Ole Miss fired for cause saving them 15 million dollars of buyout money <laughs> and uh you know unfortunately in the same breath it's the best hire they could have made and it scares me a little <laughs> yeah and you know it's funny, like the only person that I've seen on Auburn Twitter that has acknowledged this is a good hire is Bruce Pearl. And the irony on that cannot be missed. Uh, like, uh, I'm I'm not listening to Bruce Pearl slander. That's, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like Bruce Pearl, like I saw a, a, a news break this week that the NCAA is opening a compliance office on Auburn's campus with those two there. Um, well, Hugh Freeze deserves it. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Pearl does not. He had a barbecue, okay? <laughs> the NCAA can Still kick rocks. Absolutely. Uh, if, if Bruce Pearl would have told the AD 
to hire Rick Barnes. The Rick Barnes should uh, Rick Barnes should be the football coach. I'm telling okay. you, like Bruce Pearl is an incredible basketball coach, and if sure. he's the voice of reason, there sure. are worse people to be your voice of reason. Man, like of all universities, like that fits, man. Like Auburn's a dirty university; they can hide a lot of stuff, a lot of dark money, man. Like this 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 hire makes sense for Auburn. There's nowhere else. Well, Auburn's got, Auburn's got that complex where they're better than everybody, and that's that's given to earned by their boosters, yeah. and their boosters feel like they need to be part of the program. It's what Nick Saban wow. cleaned up at Alabama. Alabama used to be this way, and Nick mm-hmm. Saban told everybody to get out of the way. Yeah, and, and Lane Kiffin would have been a terrible hire at Auburn because he would have told those boosters to get out of the way. And they would have hung him out to dry, much like they did Brian Harson. Mm-hmm. Um, he would not have played well in that mm-hmm. uh, in that lecture circuit that they're going him to go to all the Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Freeze is your guy if you want him to come speak. That's just that. And he's a good football coach. He's a yeah. good recruiter. Yeah. I'm if I was an Auburn fan, I wouldn't be worried about the off the field stuff. He's paid his penance. It's been a long time now, and they took his Twitter away. They did. That's one of the stipulations in the contract is no social media. And I think I saw in the fine print, no burner phones either. So we'll see what happens. No, that would not be in the contract. They're <laughs> gonna, they're, it'll be a school issued burner phone. That's believe it. Me. <laughs> uh, yeah. What does that say about your program that you admittedly hired the guy, but you can't trust him with Twitter? <laughs> like, not only that, but they hired a new PR firm to help cover up and help work with it. So like that's just business. Clearly, that, that's clearly, just business. Yeah. Clearly you don't trust because, this guy. No. You do that to make that hire go through. Uh that was the best guy for the job. And yeah. and but clearly you don't trust the trust the reaction, that's for sure. Well, it, whether it's good or bad, the reaction in this day and time lasts twenty four to forty eight hours. Yeah. And it's over. So they hired that PR firm to take the beating and tell them how to navigate it yeah. until it's passed. And and nothing. It'll, listen, it'll be long gone by the time Labor Day gets here. And not only that, but winning cures everything. If he steps in and they win six, seven, eight ball games that first year, it'll all be forgiven. It, honestly, if I were to step back and genuinely say, who would be the better coach for Auburn, Hugh or Lane? Is Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I, he, I agree. He's much more that like shaking hands, kissing babies kind of guy than Lane Kiffin. Then that's what they want down there. And and I believe that both schools are for the better for for what happened. That's fair. Um, real quick, the other big um, yeah. the big hire, Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati to go to Wisconsin. It was always rumored that he wanted that he wanted that Big Ten job. He mm-hmm. feels like a Big Ten dude. Wisconsin is a really awesome program uh, mm-hmm. that's been down. I believe it's great hire. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be a home run for both parties. I think Luke Tickle will find some success there. And, man, hey, I'm all about some competition for Ohio State, man. Go, Let's go Badgers, man. Go get them. Yeah. I mean, uh, good home field, great great mm-hmm. environment, great fans. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a great time. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm, so I'm all I'm all for that. I think it's good, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if he'd have had the same success at an SEC school, but I'm all for who I think are good coaches going outside of the SEC. 
Yeah. And I think he's, he seems like a good dude. He seems like he does it the right way. And I'm a big fan of this hire for sure. Um, other real quick breaking news tonight before we dive into a little bit more stuff. Uh, Kentucky QB1, Will Levis, is declared for the NFL draft tonight. I think I hear Aaron Ivey being a little upset about that maybe. But, uh, I mean, the guy's got to be one of the first couple of picks off the board, right? That's what they've been feeding us all year long. If anybody takes them with the first two picks, just tie yourself <laughs> to mediocrity. Absolutely. It, it's, every once in a while, does somebody get drafted on measurables and it works out? And I can only think of it one time, and that's Josh Allen. Yeah. And, and Josh Allen was different. Yeah. I mean, he looked different. He, the, the way he throws the ball is different. Mm-hmm. You knew that he needed to tweak some mechanics, and he'd be fine. Will mm-hmm. Levis, I'd it's be scared not, to death. Absolutely. He, he feels I, like Trubisky. Uh, yeah. Let me uh, – you you give me your thoughts real quick. I'm going to pull up the, uh, the stat line because it's shocking – for what he did in a win, but in his rivalry game. Yeah, man, and that's the thing. Like, I never bought the hype. All year long, Paul Feinbaum, Stephen A. Smith, all these people were trying to tell us how great Will Levis was. He's an NFL prototype quarterback, and I think your Trubisky comparison is spot on, man. Like, he had a couple of good games, but, like, where's the tape that he's going to be able to take an NFL franchise, like, say, the Texans or the Panthers who are in desperate need of a quarterback, and have them take that next step. Like, there's absolutely nothing I have seen from Will Levis. And even like they and they beat us, but they beat Mississippi State in spite of Will Levis that night because he turned the ball over multiple times. Um, but I've seen nothing that makes me think. I, right now, he's projected to go top ten, and I've seen nothing that that tells me he's a top ten NFL pick at all. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. Um, and every year in the draft. Teams get cute on measurables, and mm-hmm. that's how you end up taking Trubisky over um, Mahomes <laughs> and yeah. John, John Watson. I mean, I know that didn't exactly turn out, but yeah. that's – all right, so Will Levis in his rivalry game at home against number 25 Louisville was 11 for 19 with 188 yards passing and two touchdowns. <laughs> that's just that's not that's a that's that's AJ McCarron and I mean you can, tell me, you can tell me he could be a heart and soul when he's a leader but let me tell you something that I read preseason when he they marched him up to media days and they said you know this could be the sleeper of of the draft yeah uh no, man. he drinks his coffee with a spoonful of mayonnaise in it. <laughs> that's disgusting. That's true. Uh, that's disgusting, man. Yeah. Disgusting. And you know, you know my stance on mayonnaise anyways. <laughs> um, you know, you can take all the mayonnaise in the world and the recipe, put it on a rocket ship, blast in the orbit, and I would celebrate it. <laughs> um, yeah, the last thing I'll say about a man, this is a great segue to our next little section. Like, it's a very much, it feels like, we're Grizzlies fans, right? We picked people on measurables for so many years. That's how we ended up with Hashim the Beat over the likes of Steph Curry and those type of guys. This is a reach, man. Steph Curry, game card, yeah. If you this is a reach. If you take Will Levis, like you're you're handcuffing your your franchise to mediocrity mediocrity for years to come. Yeah, I I think that puts a bow on it. I I don't want any part of it. Nope. Um, we'll recap the Grizzlies real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week. Uh, or since the last time we spoke, they've went two and one 
-hmm. We had a loss to the Kings. Uh, I told you mm -hmm. I was nervous about this game. It's mm -hmm. The Kings are good. And um, it was a great game. I don't know if you watched it or not. It was back and forth. The Kings pulled away in the fourth only to try their hardest to give that ball, <laughs> to give that game away. Yeah. They turned the ball over mm -hmm. so many times. Mm -hmm. And somehow we just couldn't finish. Jaw ja had a chance to tie it with three free throws because they mm -hmm. fouled a three point shot yeah. in the closing moments of the game in a three point game. And Jaw missed the front end and it was over at that point. Yeah. Um, this is a team uh, that's going to have to take their lumps. Mm -hmm. They're good enough to beat at that spot that yeah. they are now to the point to where they're going to have to learn to win. Absolutely. They're going uh, much like those early grit and grind Grizzlies games uh, and playoff games. We blew that 21.4th quarter lead against the Clippers. They're going to do that this year yep. and they're, they're going to learn from it. And mm -hmm. this is where they're at. And unless they, they do something crazy. Um, I think they're going to be on the come up and dangerous in the next couple of years. I mean, Deer and Fox is the truth, man. That kid can play. And if he goes, the team goes for sure. Yeah. Um, after that, the Grizzlies blew out the Pelicans. Uh, Pelicans did not have C.J. McCollum, who is a certified Hall of Fame Grizz killer. Mm -hmm. um, Zion, <laughs> yeah, Zion had 14 points, five rebounds, four assists. Jaw with 23, four and 11. But what stands out to me in this game, mm -hmm. Jonas Valanciunas, who former Grizzly, mm -hmm. uh, I love him. Mm -hmm. I do. He was traded basically one for one for Steven Adams. Yep. Uh, the Grizzlies got the number 10 pick, uh, mm -hmm. uh, which turned into Zaire Williams. Right. But uh, Jonas, uh, while playing the Grizzlies and Steven Adams, has been absolutely atrocious. Steven Adams kills him. Absolutely. Jonas Valanciunas, in 17 minutes, had four points, three rebounds, one assist, Four turnovers and five fouls in yeah. that game. Just totally unplayable. He was a triple-double machine for us, but I think so far we've made out better in that trade. There's no doubt about that, man. Jonas is, has really struggled against us. He's had some decent games, but he is not the same player he was for the Grizz or the Raptors, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, finally, the Grizzlies went to Madison Square Garden on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brunson was incredible to close that game, but Josh. He's so good, man. He's so man, good. He can get wherever he wants, and he yeah. is a mid-range killer. Absolutely. Uh, and when he, he gets hot, like, there's nothing you can do, man. And he was just a pest because it yeah. wasn't like he was – like, he's not – he don't look like KD when he takes over. It was like, you just can't stop him. And he just – he gets to his spots, and he takes a mid-range jump, and he doesn't miss, or he gets fouled, and he finished the game – 11 for 12 from the free throw line, but it wasn't enough Let's because Jaw took over with a 27-point triple-double. Uh, did you see what he signed on that kid's jersey after the game when he gave it Absolutely. away? Absolutely, man. He owns that place. Yeah, garden boy John yes, Moran. Yes, sir. After a triple-double and a win at Madison Square Garden, he autographs it. John <laughs> Morant, garden boy. <laughs> inject that in my veins man that swagger is what we've been missing like i cannot believe he is one of us man and then yeah. big shout out to triple j man like he has been playing some phenomenal possessed basketball yeah he uh 
he still hasn't since his rookie year. Uh, he has not got that three point shot to fall down at the rate that he yeah. did as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, but he, the Grizzlies are better when he's on the court. There's no doubt. He's uh he's a defensive menace. Uh, he's averaging three point two blocks per game in the five games yeah. he's been back. Yeah. Just he adds so much to that team that they were missing the first handful of games this year. Yeah, one of the telltale stats, Drew, is when he is on the floor, we're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, giving up only 104.5 points per 100 possessions, which is the top five in the league when Tripp's on the floor. When he's not on the floor, dude, it's a much, much worse product, man. He is a phenomenal defender. Even just his presence there, um, just like just alter shots, keeps people out of the lane. Like he, he has the potential to be one of those superstar defenders. He's already shown it. He's getting over his injury, get back to full form, man. Like he's got us. We're we're sixth in the NBA power rankings that came out earlier today, and and I think our trajectory is only up as we continue to get healthy and we get Des back. Yeah, and and it's also about uh, it's not always about who's coming in, but it's who's going out. And right. the the difference in him and Santi, I love Santi. He's, he's a good, good seven eighth man, you know, in the rotation. But that di- the difference in Jaron and Santi Night is day. immeasurable. Yeah, it'll be the same. We get Des back and David Roddy loses those minutes, man. Can't wait. Right now we're currently down three for those listening late in the third quarter against the Timberwolves. We're in a battle. John's got twenty. Uh, Stones has got ten points. Uh, but it's definitely uh, definitely a tight contested game right now. Yeah. Uh all right. Minnesota is that team that I just can't stomach anymore. That that. Uh, <laughs> That playoff series last last year in the mm-hmm. first round was just it was it was brutal and uh, we came out with a win and I came out with a new enemy. And how like how like I don't understand how we're getting beat right now when Rudy Gobert is on the floor with four fouls. Like go at him and get him out of this game. But anyway, we're down four now uh, at the end of the third. Yeah, we'll come back and win it. John's going to take over if we're close enough. That team doesn't have the character it takes to to stop it. Um, Absolutely. we can get into a full-blown uh, Minnesota deep dive one day. We don't have the yeah. time for it today, but I'd love to because yeah. what they've done to that team is criminal. Oh, like absolutely. Adding, adding Rudy Gobert and yeah. clogging up the lane to, to – and it actively hurts their worst player, who is not Carl Anthony Towns, it's Anthony Edwards, and right. they're not building that team with him in mind. Yeah, absolutely. But right now, let's go ahead and make a quick transition, Drew. I know you've been looking forward to this for a couple of days now, man. Give us Uncle Buck's soccer minute, man. Let's go. So when we started brainstorming this podcast, I was like, give I want to have a minute to where I can just rant and we'll call it soccer, the soccer minute, but I'll just use it to say soccer sucks and then just go on a rant. That was my thought. And what I did not take into consideration because I'm not a soccer fan was that the world cup was right around the corner. And if there's one thing you know about me, Rusty is that I don't care about every sport, but if you put the stars and bars on the chest, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to pull hard. And I have gotten so invested in this world cup. Uh, Yesterday at, at one o'clock the U S played Iran and the way everything is played out in group B in the pool play is that, it was do or die for the U.S. It was you had to win or you go home. No ties. You can't lose and make it through. You've got to win. Yeah. And uh, Iran started 
pregame and leading up to the game just being a whole bunch of goobers. Uh, there was this flag controversy. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, the U.S. put the standings up on social media, I guess just tell, getting everybody on the same page, just showing the standings before it started. Well, the flag that represented Iran mm-hmm. did not have their little red symbol in the middle. Oh. And I'm sure it was a mix-up. They copied and pasted the wrong flag. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Well, apparently that flag represents their their faith as a country. And uh, they got so upset that they asked the the FIFA World Cup officials to suspend the United States for 10 games and disqualify them from the World Cup. Wow. Which just goes to show you that when you try to get the team you're playing disqualified <laughs> before the game, yep. you just ain't ready. No. You just ain't ready. We're in nope. the head. You just, they just weren't ready. They were they yeah. were they were arguing fouls before the game even got started. They didn't and want that smoke. Yeah. Then the game got started. And if you haven't been watching it, watch it. Just Watch it with – I'm not saying you got to love it, but I'm going to say if you get into it, it is the most anxious sport I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think one nothing. Okay, well, that's boring. No, it is one thing can happen and the whole thing's over. And you've got to watch it for 90 minutes knowing yeah. that if one bad thing happens, it's over. And – Luckily, the U.S. got out to an early lead. Christian Pulisic, who is apparently the best American soccer player we've had in a long time. Sounds uh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He got in the middle there, mixed it up, collided with the goalie, but not Ooh. before he got his magical foot on that ball and knocked it to the back of the net. Yeah. In the same motion, I'm sure you've seen it, knocks the it. ball in and then just scissors the – the goalie and has yeah. to leave the game with what they called an abdominal contusion, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which for me just means he bruises boys. You know, he, he, like, I'll say this, man, like there's been a lot of sacrifices for our country. He risked generational offspring for this goal. And he's all the better for it. <laughs> your your memory will live on with fans if it's not with children. <laughs> uh, but uh, the U.S. got up early one to nothing, and uh, it was not over from that point. It was anxious the whole time because the second half came out, and Iran was – Iran only needed – they didn't need to win. They just needed to tie. So it's basically 0-0 right now. And mm-hmm. if whoever scores the next goal – moves on because mm-hmm. a two-goal lead is not going to be surpassed and a 1-1 game is basically over as well and I don't know soccer uh, I've seen on Twitter because I did my research that apparently the coach made some bozo substitutions I couldn't can't confirm nor deny but there sure. are several instances where that ball was just dribbling around right in front of the goal and they couldn't do anything about it Oof. and uh at the 99th minute, because it didn't stop at 90 minutes, something else I've learned, they just keep playing until I guess they get ready to stop. Uh, 99th minute, the whistle blew, and I, everybody started hitting the ground. Uh, the Iranian players started crying. The U.S. players, <laughs> I assume, probably started crying as well. Yeah. And 
I thought, I think it's over. And it was. <laughs> I saw uh, one of the, the things I saw this week about soccer, because I try to know as little about soccer as I possibly can, but there was this great meme and it said, American football, 60 minutes, baseball, nine innings, soccer. Eh, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true because I thought it was over and then they're like stoppage time. I was like, okay, well, you know, instead of doing stoppage time, we'll just stop the clock. You know? Yeah. But, just call the okay. game. <laughs> it's, your, it's a European sport. They play different. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's uh, take a minute right here. Uh, for anybody who's new listening, we started promoting this this week really hard because we were able to get on Spotify and it's uh, it's now become very much more accessible for us to share with friends and family. Yep. And so first off, we just want to thank anybody that's new here. Uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. Uh, like subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, the video will also be up on YouTube. Subscribe on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, we'll get back with you as soon as we can. Uh, from this point forward in the show, we're going to talk fantasy football. And yeah. we're going to talk about the League of Avengers, which is kind of where this podcast birthed out of, from me and Rusty talking about our fantasy football league. And we're going into the playoffs. We're going to get into some playoff scenarios and how the players uh, who are – in our fantasy football league uh, can get into the playoffs or stay into the playoffs. We welcome you to stay. Uh, we hope you do. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Even if you're not as familiar with fantasy football or, or our fantasy football league, but that's what we're going to get into now. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and so let's get started. Uh, I'll pull it up here. Uh, Rusty, uh, you're in first place. So feel free to have the first word. Yeah, man, listen, there's, it's great, man. You know, in years past, we've had this league and there's been some like just runaway teams, some blowouts. But like there's only there's four playoff spots available. There's two locks and there are one, two, three teams, maybe three, four teams vying for those last two spots. And so this is one of the most competitive years we've had. You know, I've, I've been fortunate with some good luck recently, scored a lot of points. But like there's a lot of teams that can still win this league, man. Like it's going to be a fun last couple of weeks of fantasy football for sure. Yeah. Just to uh, to lay it out here, uh, Rusty is the only team that has clinched a for mm-hmm. sure playoff berth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see, Lump Commander Steel Curtain, the team name uh, by ESPN's playoff percentage, he's at ninety eight percent. He's a virtual lock. Virtual lock. Um, there's really no chance unless one of the teams below him score outscores him this week by 200 points. He's a lot. Um, there's five teams that have been eliminated in a 12 team league. <clears throat> That's our defend two time defending champion, Hunter Shaw, um, Neasy, uh, with winter soldiers. He is eliminated. Alcorn County war machine. Kirk is eliminated. I'm eliminated. Unfortunately at four and eight and, uh, Jordan Woodruff with the low key losers is eliminated with a bombing one and 11 record. However, However. <laughs> he got the one this week. Yeah. Big shout out, man. yeah. Going into week 11 and he knocked off Kirk. Uh, <laughs> and it was beautiful because it was by just the slimmest of margins, yeah. but he held on yeah. and he, he took it home. And, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, happy belated birthday to Kirk. That was your birthday present, man. Losing to the worst team in our league. <laughs> 31 comes with some bad gifts. Let me tell you, you get, you get knee and back pain and a loss to Jordan. 
exactly. Uh, all right. So this may, I hope this doesn't get monotonous. I sat down yesterday and looked at the standings, looked at points for the way this works. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows uh, record goes first. Uh, and to break the record is points for it's how many points your team has scored this season as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to, I've worked out these scenarios. Uh, I'm going to read them off to you, uh, each team that's in the hunt and what they can do to get each seed. Um, mm-hmm. As we've got four, seven, and five teams, so it may get a little repetitive towards the end, uh, but bear with me. Uh, I'm just going to go through it, and we'll talk about it, Rusty. Stop me whenever yeah. you want to interject. All right. As I said, Fat Drunk Thor, that is my co-host here, Rusty. He's the one seed with a win. He is the two seed uh, – I'm sorry, with the one seed with a win, or he can lose and Aaron and Lump lose – and um, and then one of those can jump up uh, if the uh, records are the same. If Rusty wins and Lump loses, Lump will have to outscore Rusty this week by 5.84 points. You know, Drew, I felt much more confident about that uh, before Monday night. You know, uh, two things. Like, who takes a bye week in the 13th week? Arizona Cardinals. That's a long time to go for a bye. And so I'm losing DeAndre Hopkins this week, which I'm a little nervous about. He's been averaging about 25 points a game over the last three or four games. I mean, he's really the only thing good in Arizona right now. So my receivers this week are going to be Amari Cooper and Traylon Burks. Um, shout out to Burks from Tennessee. Um, and then the other thing has got me a little nervous, man. I've got him in my flex right now is Najee Harris. He had an oblique strain the other night. They haven't really given a grade. Grade one, he could probably play with. Two or three, he's going to be out. And it's well, tough. They did come out today and say he was he was considered day to day. Okay, that, that's positive. I didn't see that because they're playing Atlanta, and I don't know if you know about Atlanta. They are the worst run defense in the NFL. I feel better about my chances if Najee Harris plays. If he doesn't play without D Hop, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm only projected to win by f- uh, five right now. And you're going up against a team that needs this win like blood. I know. Absolutely. You got Zach this week. Zach had his, uh, was it five or six game winning streak snapped uh, on Sunday, or actually on Monday night. Uh, Mm -hmm. It came down to uh, Monday night football. He had (laughs) Pat Fryermuth and uh, his opponent, Mm -hmm. who I can't recall right off the top of my head, had the Colts defense. Mm -hmm. And Zach lost by half a point. If he yeah. wins that game, this whole thing looks different because yeah. three playoff spots are more or less locked up. Yeah. And and, uh, four, real, and three people are fighting for one spot. Yeah. One last real quick shout out. You know, you gave me some flack about it, man, but uh, I made a trade last week. Kurt decided to sell off some players. Made a pretty good trade, I thought, in my mind. A.J. Brown for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, JT ended up being my highest Point total last week at 18.8. I traded off A.J. Brown, who didn't do quite as well for um, uh, for Kirk when I traded him over. A.J.'s been slipping a little bit, so big shout-out to Kirk for giving yeah, me Jonathan Taylor. Out. And J.T. worked out at least this week anyway. Yeah. It was it was good this week. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. see how it goes the rest <laughs> of the way. Yeah. We'll all right, so let's get back to it. Uh Commander still curtain lump. He's at eight and four. He is five point eight four points behind uh, Rusty uh, and the game behind. So he can get the one seed with a win, 
and a loss by Rusty, and he out, has to outscore Rusty's team by 5.84 points. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, if he wins, he's the two seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way he gets jumped in the two seed is if him and Aaron uh, both win and Aaron outscores him by 171 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's the only way he gets jumped by Aaron. So the three seed, uh, he'll be the three seed if he win- if he loses and Aaron wins. Mm-hmm. So let me just, uh, for the sake of clarity, repeat that. He'll be the two seed with a win and a rusty win or a win and an Aaron win that Aaron does not score more than 170 points than him. Right. Okay? Does that make sense? Yep. Tell me if I need to uh, to uh, refresh it. Uh, no, we're good. Surprisingly, the three seed right now, and it's not surprising he's the three seed. Aaron with Trey Zam is the three seed in an eight and four record. Surprisingly, he is sitting in probably the worst spot out of all of these uh, <laughs> yeah. because he's eight and four, but he is behind three of the four seven and five seed seven and five teams in points for, and mm-hmm. not by a little bit. Uh, Patrick, who is the four seed at seven and five, had outscored him by sixty seven points, mm-hmm. and then um, by eighty points by uh Zach and by 88 points by uh Michael Mutters with Sabermuth. The only team that he's scored more than in the 75 teams is Team Farrell, who is uh he's got him by 63 points. Mm-hmm. So for for Trey Zam to get the one seed it's it's daunting. He'd have to yeah. win a loss by Rusty, a loss by Lump and outscore Lump by 171 points and Rusty by 176 points. So that's not realistic. He could be the two seed with a win and a Lump loss or win and Lump win and outscore Lump by 171 points. So basically he needs to win. He needs Lump to lose. Uh, He's a three seed with a win and – so if he just wins, he stays the three seed. Or he can lose and have losses by Pat, Zach, Mutt, and Andrew. But that cannot happen because Aaron plays Pat this week, and so they both can't lose. Um, he's the four seed if he loses and a win by Andrew and losses by Pat, Zach, and Mutters. Meaning if he has the equal record with any one of the seven and five teams other than Andrew, he mm-hmm. will lose because he is that far behind the other seven and five teams mm-hmm. in points for. Yep. Make sense? Yep. And uh, if he loses, uh, he's in big trouble because big trouble. a win by any of Patrick, Zach, or Michael Mutters would put him out. So mm-hmm. he, with a loss, he would need – basically all the seven and five teams not named Andrew to lose. And it's not looking good, man. He's right now he's projected to lose by 20 to pass. So he's got some work to do. Um, and he's, but, he, he's had a bad run of it lately. He's, he's kind of on the wrong end of, of the trajectory right now. Yeah. Um, Matty Ice Murdoch, that's Patrick's team who has had a surge to get up to the four seed. Mm-hmm. Um, he can get the two seed, but he'll have to win 
and have a loss by Lump and Aaron and outscore Lump by 103 points. So not real realistic. No. Uh, he can jump to the three seed simply by winning and Aaron losing. Mm-hmm. And he can stay the four seed with a win and beat the winners of Zach, Michael Mutters, and Andrew in points four. So if they all have the same record, he's just going to have to mm-hmm. outscore them. And that the 75 teams are close. Yeah. Uh, Zach being the next, the five seed is only nine points behind Pat. Uh, behind Zach, Mutters is only 1.3 points. Mm-hmm. So those yeah. three guys are virtually equal. Right. Uh, Andrew's 120 points behind Mutters. He's, he's, he basically needs the better record. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so basically, for him to have the four seed, he needs to win and beat the winners of Zach, Mutt, and Andrew in points four, or lose and have losses by Zach, Mutt, and Andrew, and win the points four. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he can miss the playoffs uh, pretty easily as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, with a loss and a win by any of Zach, Mutters, and Andrew, uh, they will jump him in the record and he'll be out. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zach, Kingpin Henry currently sits at the five seed. Uh, he can be the two seed. Again, it's a stretch. Uh, he can get to the two seed with a win and losses by Lump and Aaron and outscore Lump by 112 and Pat by nine. Um, he can be the three seed with win with a win and losses by Aaron and Pat or he can be the three seed with a win and a loss by Aaron and outscoring Pat by nine in a win. Mm-hmm. So basically if he, uh, with a win and a loss by Aaron would have them with the same record. And if Pat wins, Pat and Zach will have the same record. So he will just need to outscore Pat by nine points because he is already, um, 75 points ahead of Aaron. So, mm-hmm. Unless Aaron just has a killer week this week, he'll be out in that situation. Yeah. Um, a four, if Zach can get the four seed with a win and losses by Pat, Mutters, and Andrew, or he can be the four seed with a win and have more points for than the winners of Pat, Mutters, and Andrew, or he can lose with losses from Pat, Mutters, and Andrew and win in points for the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll lose and miss the playoffs with a loss and a win by any of Pat Mutters and Andrew or winning and getting outscored by any of Pat Mutters or Andrew in their win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next one in line here is Mutters. He is the sixth seed. Uh, he is seven and five. He is 1.3 points behind Zach in the tiebreaker in points four. So, um, Mutters, if you want to hear what your scenario is, uh, just rewind this about 30 seconds and listen to Zach's because it's the same thing. Just instead of needing to beat Pat by nine in points four, you would have to beat him by 11. Uh, So just add the extra 1.3 points onto that. And that's what you'll have to outscore Pat by. It's literally the same. Um, it just worked out that way because these teams are virtually identical in record and points for this year. Um, Andrew can only get the four seed. Uh, 
and it's going to take a lot of work because he's going to because he's so far behind. He's 120 points behind uh, behind Michael Mutters in for the sixth seed in points four. So he will need to win and have losses by Pat, Zach, and Mutters. He will have to have the outright best record to get the four seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of st- tells you where we stand going into yeah. week 13, the final week of the fantasy football regular season. This time next week, we'll have the finals. Uh, we'll have the four playoff mm-hmm. uh, teams and their matchup ready. Waivers will have been run for that week, so we'll know what the teams will look like and be able to look at, kind of project forward to what Sunday may look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, we're it's it's dramatic, man. I, yep. I couldn't be – the only way I could be more excited about how this is played as if I was in, a part of it. <laughs> but yep. the the, uh, the flyers that I took at draft day, not a, one of them panned out. Um, nothing made me happier the other day than to drop Kyle Pitts. <laughs> it was – the most the it was like rage quitting you know how, yeah. how fun <laughs> yeah. that is and yeah. how that can kind of fix your whole mood that's what happened when i was able to finally drop <laughs> Kyle Pitts. yeah and you know like i i just i've been lucky this year man because i told you we talked the day after draft day and i and i just i just berated my team i wasn't happy about it i've just been very lucky um but right now espn is projecting me as the one seed uh, Commander still curtain at two, uh, Trey Zam at three, and Matty Ice at four. And so there's a lot of scenarios as you as you called off a second ago. Um, um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not how it's gonna end. Not at all. I would agree. Like there's a really good chance that Andrew Farrell finds a way because he usually finds a way into the semifinals every year. Like a Team Farrell, like not even a, a DC or a Marvel comic name, it can find a way into the into the playoffs for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Aaron loses. And we're looking at the cut, the brothers Jones at three and four. Ooh, but yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah right now it doesn't look good uh, for Aaron. Aaron's gonna need a, a, a litter four net. Or you know, you know, honestly, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, the best bet out of that may be Mutters though, because uh, yeah. unless you just take a big old dumpski this week against Zach, you know, I, he doesn't have the greatest of matchups. Yeah. You know, I don't. I, I'm nervous. Like I said earlier, I'm nervous about my matchup with Zach. I felt a lot better before Najee got hurt. I felt a lot better before I realized that we have a bye week in week 13. Um, I'm nervous about my my game against Zach. He's got the top two receivers in the league, um, in Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs. I'm not. I'm telling you right now. If you ask me right now, I'm projected to win by by right at five. I'm a 51% chance to win. I'm. I don't feel good about it. I don't. No. And those mm-hmm. those projections are as dependable as Rusty's picks. <laughs> right. That's fair. <laughs> That's, fair. That's all we got for you this week, guys. We've talked we've talked fantasy football. We've talked SEC. We've talked a little bit of Grizzlies and it's been a lot of fun. We we went a little long today. We're sitting at over an hour. Um mm-hmm. had a lot to cram in and we told you to expect this when you get you get us pent up for 10 days. We didn't get our our usual uh six day break. That's right. That's right. Yeah, man. If you listen this long, thank you for sticking around. 
Uh, it's been a lot of fun tonight. Looking forward to this podcast next week as we dive a little into the playoff picture. Uh, Drew, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about with Championship Saturday. Much like our Fantasy Football League, I think there's going to be some chaos. There's going to be some upsets. It's just the way the season has played out. Uh, really looking forward to coming back here next week and talking about what that looks like. Man, me too. Can't Could not be more excited to see how it plays out this weekend. Hope everybody has a good weekend, a safe weekend. And we'll be back with you next Thursday. Yes, sir. Don't forget to check us out on Spotify. Give us a like and a subscribe and the same on YouTube. Uh, Until next time, thanks for listening.